Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, folks. Dr. Simon and the stories we live by. And today was a good day. The rain has largely stopped. There is almost some sun. But I was able to play 18 holes of golf today and not do it too badly and actually finish. So that made it a good day. I'm going to talk today about the self and the mythical stories about the self and uh, be philosophical and professorial. And for those of you who uh, don't want to think about things like this, uh, maybe you'll stay on and something about the show will intrigue you. Uh, I think that today's show is one of the more important ones that I've ever done. In the light of what I experience happening in our society, in the world today, and in the prediction by a number of people, uh, not the least of which is the uh, author Harari, who uh, wrote Homo Deus, A Short History of the Future, Uh, which I take very seriously in terms of the potential of his predictions. Uh, And at the same time, the attack on media and the attack on anything that you might believe is true, uh, where the uh, normal media says that the uh, Trumpists uh, are producing false news and false stories, making them up whole. And they are saying that all of everything is false in the media. Uh, it's all made up. Nothing is true. Uh, and this is creating an undermining of not only the basic institutions of our country, but it's undermining any sense of trying to understand what actually might be going on so that one can take a stand and take action uh, against what one believes is false and dangerous and destructive and one believes is true and necessary to follow. Um, I was anxious last week when I did my show, and I'm just as anxious, if not more, this week, uh, unless I simply stop thinking about what's going on. Let me talk a little bit about what makes me anxious in Harari's book, uh, because I believe that a lot of his predictions uh, are not only going to come true, but are coming true. Among them, the notion that uh, we are uh, experiencing a change in civilization, a change in society, in in which... uh, Many people, if not most people, will become, as he puts it, useless. They will have no function in terms of the economy of society because machines will do better or whatever jobs they had. And he includes in this lawyers and doctors and a variety of other people that we today generally admire and turn to when we're in trouble. Um, Where he falls apart, and I do believe he falls apart, in his discussion of the self, and I'm going to start in a moment trying to define self and uh, what I believe is a truth that each of us can hold on to, 
if nothing else, that truth. Um, and where he gets is, is in the whole modern scientific idea that human beings another, are just another evolutionary animal whose behavior is guided by uh, what he calls algorithms, that is, a set of rules designed to solve problems in living. Let me talk about the self and its history. If you go back in history, it was believed that human beings didn't have a self but had a soul. The soul was immortal and it came from God, was put into our bodies. So there was a body and then there was some other mechanism that would be called the soul and that the, was the soul that defined uh, our behavior and what we did uh, and anything we did good and if we did bad is because uh, there were other aspects to the soul and we didn't follow them. When we died, this soul, which was immortal because it belonged to God, went back to God, and our bodies went back to the earth and became dust, uh, once again from which we originated. God slowly died during the uh, Renaissance through the rise of science. Uh, and when modern philosophy looked at human beings and asked what they were, uh, it, we clearly had a self, but it was really kind of a secularized soul. Uh, René Descartes, the famous philosopher, French philosopher, said that the soul and the mind, our consciousness, are part of what he called mind stuff, and that they existed alongside the body, corporeal stuff, part of nature. And while it was not immortal soul, it was very real and connected to the body and moved the body and made our decisions for us uh, by being connected to a gland in the brain called the pineal gland. Science has debunked all of that. And what science now tries to show over and over in the literature, that there is no self, that consciousness exists, but nobody knows what its function is, that we are aware, that we feel we are a self, but it really doesn't guide our behavior, and it doesn't really exist uh, in the way we feel it exists, that is, a locus of action, uh, a source of, of what happens to us, an observer of our internal psychological processes uh, and of other individuals. There is no self. There is neurological activity. And there's almost a gleeful, happy notion that we can be turned into and understood completely and forever by what goes on in our brain. And it is starting to happen that when we tell a lie or tell the truth, the different parts of the brain uh, that involve lies and the emotional responses of lying uh, or telling the truth can be watched on a variety of scientific instruments and people will know ultimately that we are lying or telling the truth. 
the content of what we're saying still can't be found. And the idea of what we feel ourselves to be still can't be completely reduced. But that, according to the scientists, and unfortunately so much of psychiatry and the people who try to help people who are so-called disturbed and unhappy, uh, accept the notion that when we are unhappy, it is merely our brain that has become aberrant in its function, and what we need is a new kind of, of uh, chemical or some kind of external stimulation to bring the brain, brain back to its uh, more uh, adequate functioning. There is nothing psychological that exists that can explain the behavior. <clears throat> Human beings are increasingly being seen and treated as biological objects, kind of robots, very sophisticated, wet computers. And the idea of morality, the idea uh, that we make choices is quickly being shown to be false. One of the studies that uh, is quoted all over uh, in science is that if you give somebody <clears throat> uh, a, a set of choices to make by pressing a button, the choice is made as to which button will be pressed either in the left hand or the right hand before the person is aware they made the choice. And this is given as proof that there is no self and that it is only algorithms and neurological activity uh, are responsible for making the choice. So we have gone from a soul that was real to a self that was real to a self that's mythical and doesn't really exist. And this upsets me, especially in the fact that all of the lying that's going on and all of the fact that there is no longer any authority that many, many millions of people in the world today believe as providing them with uh, academic, intellectual, and moral truths no longer uh, have any real effect on those people. What are we to do? Well, let me talk about the self from my point of view. I don't believe we have a real self that will ever be found in the brain. I don't believe we have anything that when we pass away and our neurological uh, brain and the body ceases to function, there will be anything left to go anywhere or to produce anything. So I don't believe there's any real self. I don't believe there's a soul. I don't believe any of that. On the same point, while I don't believe there's an actual self, I do believe that if we look at us as cognitive, emotional, if we look at ourselves as psychological beings, there is a very real self. And that if we're to anchor ourselves in any truth, it is to believe the most basic experience about being a human being, and that is, we are a self that we are a person. And why is this so important? Before I get into the logic of this and what I believe self is from the definitions provided me, 
by uh, humanistic psychologists and philosophers and others who not only believe that the self exists on a psychological basis, but it really defines in many ways not only what we are as human beings, but it makes us capable of a moral behavior. It allows us to look at ourselves in a way that we are not merely machines or biological constructs or uh, sophisticated uh, computers, that we are those things. But those things that uh, uh, define us biologically, in terms of their interaction with other social beings who also have cells, produce psychological phenomena that cannot be reduced or obliviated by what we know about the biological or the social that defines us. That there is something about us that we feel to be absolutely true. That we know to be true. And that is, we have a self. What is the self? Uh, Some of the better definitions that I like. One was uh, by my most famous and wonderful teacher, Isidore Chain. Uh, who taught at City College while I was there. And the year before I went to NYU, he became a professor of psychology at NYU. And Chine defined the self as the here-ness in the there-ness. Or, as another neurologist that I like very much, Antonio Damasio, it is the feeling of what happens. And that feeling, no matter how it's created we experience as we grow older as defining us. Now, part of what is the self is experience. It is the feeling that we are uh, making choices. And I don't care whether or not the choice is made before I become fully conscious of it or after The feeling that I make a choice, the feeling that I choose, so defines me and so defines all of you as human beings that it can't be denied, it can't be ignored. It has to be taken as a literal fact. The other notion, part of the self, is that we are observers. We're not only observing the outside world, but we're observing all of the symbols, images, and language that goes on within the psychological self. Much of consciousness is a dialogue. It is a dialogue between ourselves and ourselves, or ourselves and our teachers, or ourselves and our parents. When I was in psychotherapy, I had endless dialogues between myself and my therapist when I wasn't there. Sometimes these are dialogues. Sometimes these are pitched battles. Sometimes they're full of love. Sometimes they're full of anger. But there are constant dialogues that make up our consciousness. And the feeling we have as factual as the table I have my fingers on, is that 
I am being the observer and initiating and participating in that conversation. I have a theory that uh, before we become uh, fully developed in our consciousness and have a mature self, that as young children, uh, these dialogues are experienced as real. If we experience them as actual and real, and we don't know that they're actually going on on a psychological and not a physical level, uh, we call them hallucinations. And why adults will hallucinate, uh, I don't know. But as I've spoken about many times, the whole psychiatric nonsense that these are illnesses, these are brain problems, that they can be reduced to brain problems, uh, makes no sense. When somebody hears God speak to them and they speak to God, they're having a conversation. They're having a dialogue, their self to an object that they have created psychologically that they believe to be so, that they don't see as metaphorical. And, and these are meaningful. These are incredibly meaningful. They are important. They can be discomforting. They can be frightening. And uh, for many years, when I started to believe this, and I had patients who said they heard voices, I would discuss with them uh, the idea that these are actual conversations. They would see that. And I would say, take your medication if they really upset you, but let's talk about it. But if they don't upset you, shut your mouth and don't tell anybody about them. Because if you can get on with your life and still experience these psychological phenomena, believing that they're real or not real, don't let anybody destroy your actual brain or your life by telling you that these are sicknesses. These are brain-damaged sicknesses. Maybe someday, again, if I live long enough, somebody will prove that to me, and I'll shut up, and I'll say everything I've believed in the last 30 years has been wrong, but that hasn't happened yet, and I'm questioning whether that's actually going to happen. Uh, part of the, the self, then, is this feeling of I. I do this. I want this. I feel this. I speak. I think. I create. Part of the self is a me. Things happen to me. Right? Others are nice to me. Others love me. Others hurt me. Others have hurt me. Part of, of, of a good psychotherapy to me is, is to discuss these things, not as if they're illnesses or illusions, but that they're a critical part of the human condition and must be understood as such. So there is an I, there is an observer, and a me. When anybody tells me, and if I met uh, uh, Dr. Harari who wrote uh, Helmodeus, I would say to him, you wrote a book, did you? He says, yeah. He would say, I wrote a book. Who is the I in the sentence that wrote the book? Do you believe that an illusion wrote the book? How do you feel about the book? Are you proud of it? Are you glad about how many copies it sold? Are you glad that it stimulates the thinking of people about important issues? What will he say? I don't know him. But whenever I do this with somebody, 
they sort of look up in a mysterious way, in a confused way. The self exists for them. They feel themselves that things happen, that they make things happen. It is not a theoretical idea. It is one of the most basic facts in their existence, in all of our existences. One of the things that many scientists ask is, what is the purpose of consciousness at all? Why are we conscious rather than like our animal brothers? Not conscious, but simply follow uh, their instincts and algorithms to solve the problems of living. And my answer to that is the animals are conscious, but what they are not is conscious of being conscious. And I don't believe that very young children are conscious of being conscious. And I don't believe that everybody, because of the development that they go through, becomes fully conscious of being conscious. But what's the function of that? If a machine, and Harari points out that more and more the machines that we built, the computers, the, the information processing uh, uh, um, uh, mechanics that can hold so much more information and come to so much more accurate conclusions than any doctor or lawyer uh, or engineer, uh, that, that these machines demonstrate that there is no need for consciousness to have successful adaptation. And my answer is, because we are human, and it is our consciousness that defines that humanity, and the feeling that we are agents, and that we are recipients of the behavior of others who are agents, that we are capable as we grow to develop what, I forget the psychologist who came up with this idea, theories of mind, that I am capable of joy, I am capable of pain, and therefore you as a human being with a self and a consciousness are feeling the same. And so when somebody says to me, what is the purpose of consciousness? My response is, it is what makes us moral. That morality is not merely a zero-sum game. That we are moral, because by moral being moral to others, it increases the probability that they might be moral to us. That uh, giving allows you to get. And I don't question that on that level, morality has a basis in practicality. I don't. On the other hand, the idea that somebody is suffering can allow me or somebody else to do something that kills us, that harms us in some fundamental way, because we don't want to be able to tolerate the knowledge that we empathize, sympathize with their pain. Can an animal or a computer ever feel that they need to treat another computer or animal with dignity? It's true. 
that an animal may never leave another animal to live because it increases the probability that in the future that if they kill certain of their prey, uh, it will take away ultimately their own meal. They don't know they're doing this. They don't know the outcome. Uh, but it's built in to the evolutionary uh, machinery of how they function. But my notion that I have a self, that I require dignity, that I require a notion that I can be a creative force in the world, in the universe, is so powerful that I have to believe that every other human being has the potential to feel exactly the same way. So there is a self. It's not real. You can open the brain and slice it into a million pieces and you won't find the self. Ultimately, we may be able to see every neurological and biochemical function that allows us to experience that we are a self, a person. We may. But it will not obviate the fact that on a psychological and a human level we have a self that it is real to us as fundamentally real as the desk I have my fingers on or the computer I'm looking at or the phone I'm holding to my ear and that when people start to argue that there is no self they are fundamentally being I believe unscientific but ultimately, they're being not moral. Again, Isidore Chine, uh, in his book, his masterpiece, which I keep on my shelf with very few other books at this point, The Science of Behavior and the Image of Man. I guess if he wrote it today, and rather than the late 50s and early 60s, he might have changed the title to a less sexist title. But he was who he was at the time he lived, suggests that no psychologist should ever operate and create an image of human beings that is different or less than the one they fundamentally believe themselves to be. That is as profound and important an idea as I've ever experienced or read. That we have in the course of our field, created an idea that we can study rats and understand human beings, that we can understand computers and understand human beings. We invented the computer, but the computer now can explain us. All of the images that work their way into psychological theory, that in no way are believed about the psychologist or scientist who creates them about himself is believed. Therefore, it's not only a bad science that's being promoted, but an immoral one, one that dehumanizes the subjects, which ultimately is ourselves, which we try to understand, hopefully for moral reasons. So, my dear friends, as I uh, suggest, I may be hanging up a little bit now. What did I? I had 
60 minutes. Oh, been almost 30 minutes so far. I think I've talked enough. Um, time for some ice cream. Some nice dessert. I have some really good chocolate chip cookies, too. That myself requires. That's enough for tonight. If you like this show, please tell your friends. Um, if you think this is important, tell your friends. But please, no matter what happens, don't let anybody convince you you're not real as a being that makes choices, that is ultimately responsible, that is ultimately capable of creativity, that ultimately requires to live in dignity and some kind of, of interpersonal relationship with others that enhances yourself and their self if you are to live or if we are to live a moral life. Because we are in real trouble. <clears throat> we are in trouble. Uh, I may do another show. I'm kind of tired tonight. I don't think I have to go further than this. To talk about the importance of psychotherapy as I understand it. Because I do believe that we, because we are a self. And that because that self does derive from adaptive uh, uh, algorithms that we are all bullshit experts, that we know when we're being shitted or that we can be stimulated to find out the sacks rather than swallow them whole. Uh, that anxiety, which is, the, the, as one of my ex-friends put it, the fire alarm to the soul or the brain, as he put it, uh, it says we're bullshitting ourselves and we're bullshitting others and somehow on some level we know it and that if we shut up and spend some time by ourselves without noise and listen to ourselves, we will come to what we really believe is so, what we really believe, not because we have, as the New Age psychologists say, a real self that is the goodness in us, because I think that there are people for whom the real self is murder and torture other people, but because it is a truth that we can hold on to and possibly act upon. I have no great hope for our future. I really don't as a species. Uh, I have no great hope that America will last as a democracy through the presidency of the cancer that is Donald Trump and the individuals he has surrounded himself with and the individuals who promote falsehoods uh, uh, and put them on, on the Internet uh, for people who have no other information with which to correct them or can stop and look into their own minds, in their own souls, and say, there's something about this that doesn't sound right. I don't know what's going to happen. But, dear friends, each of us has a self. Each of us is an observer. Each of us makes decisions. Each of us is recipient of the actions of others and ourselves. We are an I. We are a me. And that is as immediately factual as anything else that exists in the entire universe. 
So good night, dear friends. Time for some dessert. Take care. I will give myself 60 seconds. Maybe somebody wants to call in. Let's see. I put on the chat. Launch chat here. What does that mean? I never do that. Flash chat. Maybe somebody's there. It would be so nice. Loading your component, UI components, whatever that means. I bought a new computer. I'm going to take a lesson on it Thursday morning. I need it because I'm going to do my professional notes now uh, with something called Notes that is really supposed to be superior and uh, more legal for the uh, Medicare people. It's okay. Uh, nothing's there. I'm ending the episode.